welcome to the Astrophys Podcasts. First of all, we would like to acknowledge Australia's first astronomers, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the traditional owners and custodians of the land we are on. This episode is produced on Yorta Yorta, Pangarang and Kaurna country. My name is Brendan O'Brien and today is Friday the 1st of September 2023. We always include a community service announcement asking you to wash your hands regularly, wear a mask if you can't socially distance effectively and isolate as much as possible and as soon as you can to protect yourself and your community get that COVID-19 vaccination as we work our way through this global crisis. We also ask you to influence your local politicians with the message that we need to change our energy policies to move to renewable energy to mitigate climate change. Each month we bring you two fabulous episodes. On the first of each month, you'll get to hear Dr. Ian Astroblog Musgrave bring you his monthly sky guide, an astro treat for naked eye observers, telescopers and astrophotographers and he always includes a tangent of astronomical wonder. In the middle of each month, we'll give you an interview with a noted astrophysicist, astronomer, astrophotographer, space scientist, or particle physicist. So, let's zoom over to Adelaide now to get your sky guide from Ian. Hello, Ian. Hello, Brendan. Great to be speaking with you again, Ian. And can you tell us, mate, what's up in the sky for the month of September? It is indeed great to be speaking again. And September is not as exciting as August was. There's still lots of interesting things to see. But unlike last month where we were topped and tailed by two perigee moons, September is rather quieter. Now, with September, a lot of the planetary action is split between the evening and morning skies. Venus and Mercury return to the morning twilight. Mars is a dim, glowing ember in the evening skies. Saturn is just past opposition, but it's still high in the evening sky, well worthwhile looking at. And Jupiter makes an entry into the late evening skies, but still is better in the morning sky. Once again, I'll go through the face of the moon. So September the 7th is the last quarter moon, which is again, is ideal for stargazing. September 16th is the new moon, also ideal for stargazing. September the 23 is the first quarter moon, and September 29 is the full moon. The moon is at perigee on September the 28th, and at apogee on September the 15th. Now, technically, you could call the September 29th, a perigee full moon, but it's not going to be anywhere as exciting or as spectacular as the first two were. Earth is also at spring equinox on the 23rd, where day and night are equal length. Of course, it's spring equinox for us in the Southern Hemisphere and autumn equinox for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere. So let's start off with the evening sky. It's Mercury disappears into the evening twilight. It'll be visible just in the first week of September and then returns to the morning twilight. This apparition of Mercury is not very good 
you'll be very hard to see it at all. It always remains low to the horizon in the twilight. In contrast, Venus is climbing higher in the morning twilight, and it remains a distinct crescent in telescopes. On the 11th and 12th, Venus is not far from the crescent moon, although it's low above the horizon, but still relatively visible an hour before sunrise. The moon isn't particularly close to Venus, but still the sight of the crescent moon and crescent Venus together is quite nice. You won't get them into the same uh, telescope field, but if you've got your telescope out, imaging one and imaging the other, both in their crescent phase, could be quite a nice little astro photo for you. Mars has been our companion for most of the year and is now getting lower in the twilight. So on the 16th, the 17th of September, the crescent moon will be near Mars, low in the twilight. Saturn is still nicely high in the evening skies. It's just past opposition. And although it's just past opposition, when it was biggest and brightest as seen from Earth, it'll be still big and bright and very worthwhile, even small telescopes. It's visible from the northeastern to the northwestern skies from the early evening to late evening. If you're looking for it, it's the brightest object between the bright stars Altair and Pomalut, and tends and will be the, the, the brightest object directly above the northern sky, so relatively easy to find. And if you're in any doubt, on the 27th, the moon is near Saturn, so that makes it fairly easy to see. Back in the morning sky, Jupiter's climbing higher in the morning sky and enters the evening sky later this month, although it's still best seen in the morning. By the end of the month, you should be able to see Jupiter reasonably high above the evening eastern horizon by midnight. But again, Jupiter's still much better seen in the morning and it's easily obvious as the brightest object above the northern sky early in the morning. On the 4th, Jupiter will be very close to the waning moon, about 4 degrees. You'll fit both of them into a pair of binoculars and you'll be able to see Jupiter's moons quite easily in binoculars and you should be able to see them shuttling about. Now we're going to the sky again. Sagittarius at the centre of the galaxy are now departing the 7th, but it still remains an excellent uh, binocular hunting ground. And again, as I said, the teapot of Sagittarius and uh, with the globular cluster M22 in its lid, uh, excellent viewing. And so uh, you have nearby Triplet and Lagoon Nebula, and you've got all the other uh, objects that you can see. So well worth uh, zipping about. If you're looking to the south, you'll see that the Southern Cross is very low to the horizon and it's almost at the six o'clock position now. So if, if for those of us uh, in the northern parts of Australia, the Southern Cross is actually either scraping or below the horizon. For those of us in Southern Australia, it's, it's just above the horizon. And if you look to the north, you might be able to see the bright star Vega and you might be able to see constellation of Pegasus is beginning to come over the horizon and you may be able to see the Andromeda galaxy 
if you're looking late in the evening. So zoom in and have a look. In Australia, the Andromeda Galaxy is quite low to the horizon, yeah. but it's easily picked up in binoculars. And we're going to crash into it. Thank you very much, Ian Astro Blog Musgrave, for our September Sky Guide. It was a pleasure. And although there's a lack of exciting planetary action happening, the very fact that the, you'll have clear skies and still be able to see the centre of the galaxy makes looking up all that worthwhile. Excellent. We'll step out and look up, everyone. Thank you very much, Ian. Good night, mate. Good night. All the best. See you later. And remember, Astrophys is free, ad-free and unsponsored. And in two weeks' time, we're bringing you a fabulous and long-awaited interview about the EHT, the Event Horizon Telescope, and this magnificent planet-sized virtual telescope is introduced to you by one of the researchers who worked on an incredible project that brought you the first images of a black hole. Yes, we'll be talking with Daniel Palumbo from the Harvard Center for Astrophysics, who will take us through the process of capturing the supermassive black hole in M87 and the supermassive black hole in the center of our very own Milky Way, SAG A-star. You'll love this interview. Tune in. Till then, keep looking up. See you then. Radio Wave.